Hi, it's me, Jan, and we're back here at our podcast, All That Matters, and I'm so glad you're here. We're starting off 2021, and I hope, oh, it's got to be a better year, right? It's got to be a year in which we move towards health and light and all kinds of good things. I hope you'll continue to write me at jan at jangoldstein.com share any thoughts you might have or any questions you might have and i hope when you go on uh, the apple podcast for all that matters that you'll uh, leave a rating there it always helps to know that there are people uh listening and we're thrilled that we've uh just been informed recently that uh, L- listen notes which is the international search engine for podcasts that we're in the top 10 percent of world podcasts so Wow, how did that happen? And that is so exciting. So I'm so happy if you'll leave a rating there and let other people know someone came and listened and that you recommend it because I hope we're doing some good in the world, putting more positivity out there. And I'm thrilled that so many call this the Positivity Podcast. You know, I wanted to talk about, I recently went through the first year anniversary of my brother Mark's death. And um, just an incredible, incredible guy. I got the opportunity in the last few years of his life, um, and he had leukemia, um, to help him move from science, which he was an incredible scientist, uh, world stature, um, worked for presidential administrations and work particularly to bring east and west together um he worked in an east-west center institute in hawaii for a long time where he worked with eastern scientists and western scientists and mark was all about bridging that gap uh, and bringing the world closer together but towards the end of his life he wanted always had fancied himself writing science fiction and he with his incredible uh knowledge of science um he fashioned uh uh, a 30th century trilogy, um, uh, which began with this book, Escape, and um, and then won the Southern California Science Fiction, New Science Fiction uh, Book Award. Uh, so it was very, very exciting to work with him. And um, I had been writing books for years, so it, it, he leaned on his younger brother a little bit, and it brought us uh, so much closer. But for... For many years, my my brother Mark was an enigma to me. I don't know if you have siblings who are enigmas to you or members of your family who are enigmas, but he really was. Like, he's 10 years older and he was a product of my mother's first marriage. See, his dad, Dr. Harold Levin, had sadly died at the age of 44, leaving my mom, who was then a 29-year-old, a widow, with the daunting task of raising their two young boys, Mark and Michael. And she'd have the help in the person of my dad, whom she would marry a few years later, and she would give birth to me and my sister in quick succession. I watched my older brothers grow into their teens, and Michael seemed to have his wits about him. But Mark always seemed angry, willing to take on anyone and everyone. And maybe that comes from losing your dad at six years old. Maybe not. All I knew was I both worshipped and feared him. He played football like a force of nature, 
and he proved impervious to pain. I don't know how he did it, but I remember this time that his crosstown rivals targeted him. He was a star fullback of the Burlington High football team, for, and they targeted him for special punishment. Six members of the opposing team's defense went at him in a succession of hits like something out of The Godfather. A stretcher was dispatched as all of us stood reeling. Whistles were blowing like a traffic jam, and as Mark was lifted up, his face covered in blood, my sister and I rushed to our parents who were hanging over the stands, straining for any news on his condition. Now, we were both crying loudly, my sister and I, and our voices ringing out above the spectators who peered down at the horrified silence as Mark's form was hoisted to the sidelines. And at that moment, with the team doctor rushing to Mark's aid, our parents biting their lips with concern and the stadium standing in hushed curiosity, our brother managed to push himself up on one bloody elbow and scream in my parents' direction, Shut those brats the hell up. Now, you're eight years old, having witnessed the decimation of your brother by a pack of shoulder-padded goons, and you're crying your little heart out. But the object of your anxiety doesn't turn on the refs. He doesn't scream out at his crosstown rivals. No. He turns on his pitiful little whimpering sister and brother, and in front of a thousand witnesses, no less. Go figure. Bloodied and defiant, he insisted on being put back in the game where he scored the winning touchdown, dragging three opponents with him as he crossed the goal line. That was my brother, Mark. Our father had adopted Mark and Michael when he married mom and gave them the presence of a caring dad. He honored the memory of Mark and Mike's father, but freely provided love, guidance, and direction when needed. I can remember the police bringing my teenage brother home in the middle of the night after one of his fights. He'd get in scuffles. I could hear the firmness with which Dad talked to Mark, urging him to be less defiant. And then the tears and the hugs of a father's love would follow, but Mark was not easy to hug. He would pull back, retreat as if from a memory. He left home when I was 10 and for the most part was absent from my life until my adult years. I didn't really come to know my brother until my father near death. And then, to my great surprise, there was revealed a miracle of a person I had never had the opportunity to know. See, Dad suffered during the last years of his life with emphysema and This vital, energetic man was reduced to gasping for breath. He often resorted to a mask tethered to the small cylinder of oxygen he came to require. Now, traveling, of course, was out of the question. His walking took too much of his strength, and yet Mark would not allow this rival in the guise of ill health to bring Dad down. No, the thought of Dad being incapable of experiencing life was just not acceptable. He simply would not take no for an answer. So Mark flew mom and dad to Hawaii, and you'll remember I mentioned that he was working for the East-West Institute. That was a set of scientists looking for solutions to world problems. And living there at the time, he flew mom and dad there where he was then living and arranged for an apartment near his own. And he would shop for them and pick them up for lunch and take them out each day 
always driving right up to any restaurant or scenery so that my father could make it more easily. And moving toward the end of his life, our dad was not going to lose out on experiencing something so beautiful as Hawaii. Not if Mark had anything to do with it. Mark would give him the experience of drinking deep from life's well exactly when that well appeared to be dry. Every day for two months, Mark escorted dad and mom around the island of Oahu. He opened up new vistas, unveiled the hills and valleys and wondrous oceans surrounding the island. Colors my father had never seen formed veritable rainbows of splendor. This gift of time and care and love also renewed our mom. She had been confined with dad and his illness in their Vermont home, and his ill health had taken a toll on her as well. Now she, too, could reopen to life in the bounty of Hawaii. My brother had evolved from an isolationist who beat his own angry drum into a man who made symphonies possible for his father and mother. He gave of himself like many never do, and I saw something beyond precious in the way he infused heartache with hope. At the end of one of the final days that were to spend in Hawaii, Mark took our parents out for a sunset drive along the ocean. And he drove them up to the hill overlooking a volcano just as the sun was setting. Our dad was not having a particularly good day, even by what by then had become a difficult standard. But the sight of ocean and volcano and sun breaking into gold and rose hues was irresistible. So dad strained to see beyond the confines of the car window frustrated that he could not experience all 360 degrees of the natural wonder. He wanted one more feel of the air wafting across his body, and Mark would make it possible. This brother of mine, this enigma, would always seem untouchable, lifted Dad into his arms, and cradling him gently, carried him out to the end of the hill. Ocean and sunset lay in splendor before them. The volcano's majestic head was bathed in light. And our father drank in the beauty, the colors, the blessing of it all. Each one of us, it seems to me, can give that gift of life and light by stepping into another's darkness. Family and friends who've isolated themselves particularly at this time with all that we've been challenged with in 2020 and now that we face at the beginning of 2021, family and friends who've isolated themselves may find their way back into our lives. People we thought we knew may surprise us with a depth and compassion we'd never imagined. And at such moments, we are able to see how very good life can be because the human spirit has been celebrated. You know, finding unrevealed beauty in people proves that the past never equals the future. And stepping in tomorrow is not a matter of simply living. It's an opportunity 
for loving. Until next week, I'd like to wish you more light, more life, more love. This is Jan Goldstein, and you're listening to All That Matters. Matters.